I'm excited about this week. Next week, we wrap off this series, this Each Other series. It has went longer than we expected it to, but that's because there are 58 different times in the New Testament where we are called to love each other in a certain way. And I don't know about you, but the last several, probably the last three or four, have hit home so hard in my heart and in my life of challenging me. Um, Last week when I shared the whole Brody thing, you know, and I sent you a text this week to remind you of it, but when I was sharing that last week, that was just a spur of the moment. That was not in my notes, and I felt like the Holy Spirit began talking to me about that this week. And so I was very uh, aware of people around me and acknowledging people wherever I was, you know, doing that kind of thing. And, and it's just amazing how God takes these passages and pushes forward into our lives, and he really wants to change us. If you remember what Jesus said to his closest followers, this is where we get the whole idea. Take a look what he says. Let's read it together. I give you a new commandment, love each other as I have loved you. All people will know that you are my followers if you, what? Love each other. Say that to somebody near you, love each other. Yeah, love each other. So get this down. We show we follow Jesus by how we love each other. We show we follow Jesus by how we love each other. Come on, it kind of has a, like a beat to it. Let's say it together. We show we follow Jesus by how we love each other. One more time. We show we follow Jesus by how we love each other. Good, good. You got it. Your love for each other confirms your faith in Jesus is real. And as we have seen throughout this series uh, over the last several weeks, there are so many expressions of how we are to love each other, how we are to move in this and live in this. And today we look at one of Paul's uh, writings again, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25. Take a look at what it says. You must stop telling lies, tell each other the truth, because we all belong to each other in the same body. So the, the thing that I want you to understand is, is the Apostle Paul is speaking about our relationships with each other. Keep that in mind. He's writing to the Jesus followers in the city of Ephesus. So he's writing to church people, and he's talking about our relationships with each other. He's calling us to tell the truth with each other, to not lie to each other. You know what's interesting is in our culture, lying has become an accepted practice. I don't know if you've realized that. In the last probably uh, 10 years or so, it has become almost habitual. It's almost something that we, um, that we expect. Lying has become so expected that it has become normal. I mean, you know, the two polls reveal this. I think this is interesting. Of those surveyed, 91% admitted to lying regularly. 36% have, lied, uh, have recently told big, important lies. regularly lie to their parents, 75% to their friends, 69% to their spouses, 73% to their siblings, and 81% to their bosses. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I see more than numbers there. I see concern. That's our culture. That's the culture that we live in. I want you to get these two definitions of lying because this is really important for us to see. First off, lying is not telling the truth when I know what it is. Lying is not telling the truth when I know what it is. But also, get this one, lying is not telling the truth with the intent to deceive. 
Now that one to me kind of splits the hair. It kind of, it kind of um, defines it, clearly, clearly defines it. Deception is the indicator to lying. If you say something or refuse to say something so that you can deceive someone, you are lying. It's important for us to grasp that. Most Christians know better than to tell lies, right? I mean, we would admit that in this room. Most of us would say, oh, no, we know that, that lying is wrong. We know that it's wrong. But did you know that you and I, we have a tendency to do one of three things when we're communicating to someone? First off, I have a tendency to take away from the truth. You need to write that down. Because all of us have these tendencies. We have a tendency to take away from the truth. This happens when it's tricky not to tell the whole truth. I mean, when, you know, when, when, when there's, you know, a part of the truth, truth is not going to be as bad to hear. And so, you know, to those who need to hear the truth, this is not a good thing. But for us, it's better that we would take, take away just a little bit of it so it's not so offensive. But we also have a tendency to add to the truth. We're tempted to embellish or exaggerate or inflate the truth. And then lastly, I have a tendency to avoid the truth. And I think this is probably the one that most of us lean towards. Sometimes telling the truth is difficult. Let me ask you a question here. I want you to raise your hand if you would agree with me. Sometimes there are situations where it's really hard to tell the truth to somebody. How many of you would agree? Yeah, it is. I mean... (laughs) It's, it's, it's a hard thing to do, and so what do we do? <laughs> we, we skate around the truth, right? We, we try to avoid the conversation. Oh, no, here they come. I got to get busy doing something else, right? Oh, no, it's their caller ID just popped up on my cell phone. I don't want to have this conversation. Later, decline, right? That's, that's what we do. We avoid the conversation. We avoid the truth. We, we'd probably be offended... Most of us would probably be offended if someone called us a liar. But did you know that that might be the best description of us in our relationships at times? Because we lean toward these three characteristics, these three tendencies. It's not fun to be reminded of the fact that everyone needs to be prompted to tell the truth. All of us do. It's not just something that you tell your kids when they're growing up. Always tell the truth. No. All of us need to be prompted at this. That's why Paul is speaking into the lives of Jesus' followers because all of us are susceptible to this. The difficult part about lying is that it's so easy to do, especially in the culture that we have already seen is very open to this. It it has become the norm. There there are silent lies, there are evasive lies, there are polite lies, there are cover-up lies, and then there are the little notorious things called white lies, right? We have all of these little, little names for them. Lying has become normal. And so we fail to consider the consequences of lying. Because we're so used to it in our culture, and we have a tendency to lean toward it ourselves, but we fail to consider what the consequences of lying are. Most people who lie worry about the risks of being honest rather than thinking about the consequences that will play out if you lie. It's true. So I want you to get this on your outline. Lying erodes trust in a relationship. Either way. 
Let's think about it for a moment. Logically, either way, by finding out about the lie, the person won't trust you. By not finding out about the lie, the relationship is unstable because truth isn't at the foundation. Everybody follow me? So either way, lying erodes trust in a relationship. Even if the relationship survives, there is an erosion of truth, and we all know that. There was a post on psychologytoday.com that said this, trust is fragile, lies jeopardize trust, and damage our relationships. It's true. They are sometimes irreparably damaged. Lying destroys, erodes relationships. We all know this. If you have ever been lied to, do you know how difficult it is to ever want to trust that person again? You know it. We've all experienced it. You know, they say something to you if they've already lied and you found out about it. They say something to you and you go, can I trust you? That's the first thought. Can I trust you? See, it it erodes trust in a relationship. So trust is so essential for this relationship that Paul challenges us. I mean, look again at what he says. You must stop telling lies, tell each other the truth, and then he gives us the reason. Because we all belong to each other in the same body. Now, we've talked about this a couple of weeks ago in Romans 12. Paul talks about us being a part of the same body. But look at what Romans 12 says, what Paul tells us. He says, we are many parts of one body, and we all, what? Belong to each other. I love how Paul expresses it in 1 Corinthians 12. He says this, together you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of that body. I'm I'm telling you, if we as a church could get this idea of being a body, if if we could grasp this and really believe it and really begin to live this out, it would change everything we do as a church with each other. If you and I would begin to see each other as parts of the same body, the relationship that we have with each other would change. It would be different. Let me give you some ideas. I mean, if you think about it, your health depends on the communication between the parts of your body. Physically, your health depends on the communication between the parts of your body. If you put your hand on a hot stove and the nerves in your body did not relay to the brain that this is hot, what would happen? You'd burn your hand off. It's interesting, that's what leprosy is. Your nerves stop talking to your brain and you lose body parts. Interesting. What what would happen if certain parts of your body started lying to other parts of your body? I mean, think about this one. What if your brain, your eyes, and your nerves decided to tell your hand that there was a big, juicy hamburger in it but there really wasn't. And your body was hungry. You might run the risk of biting your hand because your body is lying to itself. Isn't that interesting? Think about this one. It's a little bit easier to kind of put your, hand around, or your mind around. Let's say you're using a fork to eat and your brain, your brain lies to your hand about the location of your mouth. Where's your fork going to end up? Ouch. Right? Do you see how it works? If 
parts of your body lie to other parts of your body, you might end up with a fork in your nose. Wow. It's easy to see how this works, right? It's easy to see why Paul would write to us, you must stop telling lies, tell each other the truth, because we all belong to each other in the same body. So Paul adds this metaphor to it. He, he writes along these same lines of not lying and telling the truth. He writes along these same lines to Jesus' followers in the area of Colossae. And uh, in Colossians 3, Paul writes this, don't lie to each other. And then he adds this metaphor, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as, as you learn to know your creator and become like him. So Paul is basically saying, you got this old man that lies. You've got this old nature that lies. And Paul says, it's time, because you've come to Christ, because you're in a relationship with Jesus Christ, it's time that you take off this old man, this old nature, and you put on this new man, this new nature. You have come to Christ. You're now in Christ. You should act like you're in Christ. So this old man is our sinful nature, and we know that we've inherited, Genesis tells us, from Adam and Eve. But the power of this old person, this old nature, was broken through what Jesus Christ did on the cross. So we don't need to yield to that influence of that old person, that old man, that old nature any longer. Paul says, let's take it off. Don't lie. It's kind of like taking off dirty clothes. Have you guys had sweaty clothes this week? I have. And, you, you know, you, you get to the end of the day, and it's like, wow, i got to take these off, right? Okay? You just take this off. You take off this old nature, and Paul says, put on, look at it, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. What's Paul talking about? He's talking about Jesus. That you would learn to know Jesus and become like Jesus. Wow. It's interesting, though, that last part points to this process of becoming like Jesus. I mean, look what Jesus said about himself. Jesus said, I am the way, the what? Truth and the life. So, so if we are going to become like Jesus, then we should be getting more truth into our life. We should become full of truth. Hang on, you're going to see where I'm going here. We should become truthful. Hmm. If we're becoming like Jesus, then lying is our old nature that we take off. And truthfulness, telling the truth, is how we live. Wow. Telling the truth is evidence that we are becoming like Jesus. Now on the flip side, Jesus clearly says that Satan is connected to lying. I mean, take a look at what Jesus says. The devil was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there was no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for Satan is a liar and the father of lies. Satan likes you to think that lying is no big deal. It's just a white lie. 
I don't know when we started colorizing our lies. You know, if you think about, it. I mean, I mean, it, it's not really a white lie. As long, I mean, as far as I know, you know, lying is black and truth is white. You, you follow me? It's clearly black and white. You either tell the truth or you don't. And Satan comes along with this idea in our culture of it's okay to tell a white lie. So right, you just, it just kind of, it's not a big deal. It doesn't even count. Of course he's going to tell us that because he is the father of lies. He is a liar himself. In fact, lying is associated with some serious sins. I think that's, is that on your outline? Do we have that down somewhere? Yeah. Lying is associated with some serious sins. And this is the thing that we need to, to catch today. It's not just because we are a part of the body together, but lying has an effect in our lives, not just today, but in the future. It's very important for us to see. The Apostle John, he wrote this description of heaven and what was going to take place in heaven in the book of Revelation. And Jesus, in John's writing, identifies those who will not be inside heaven. Take a look what Jesus says. Outside the city are the evil people. Those who do evil magic, who sin sexually, who murder, who worship idols, and who tell lies. Wow. Do you see how serious this is? I mean, according to Jesus, lying is right up there with murder and adultery. In fact, Jesus says, Revelation 21, those who refuse to believe who do evil things, who kill, who sin sexually, who do evil magic, who worship idols, and who tell lies, all these will have a place in the lake of burning sulfur. What's he talking about there? Hell. Wow. We can't play around with this. Lying carries serious consequences in our lives. There is a connection between lying and the condition of my heart that causes great concern to Jesus. When you and I lie, Jesus is concerned because he knows these things. See, some people lie because they're selfish and they have no regard for other people. But come on, let's be honest. Much more often... We lie because the stakes feel too high to tell the truth. I mean, come on. We, we lie so we don't hurt somebody's feelings. We lie so that we don't face conflict. You know, it, 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 it's not selfishness. It, it's not evil intent. It's, it's because the stakes are so high. In one survey taken, 98% of the people surveyed said that they told lies to not offend people. 98%. And I would bet that most of us in this room, in, in any time that we have um, changed the truth, added to the truth, if you want to call it lie, it's because we probably didn't want to offend somebody. We wanted to avoid a conflict. But here's, here's my concern. We've got to be extremely careful in making the judgment calls on this. We have to be extremely careful on bending the rules. You know why? Because often the most loving thing we can do is tell somebody the truth. Now, let me couch it with this. We need to tell them the truth in a way that they will receive. And that's where the rub comes, isn't it? 
Because that's the hardest part of this. I mean, all of us have had something that we need to say to somebody that is really truthful and very accurate and right on the money. But saying it to them in a way that they will receive it is a whole nother ball game. How many of you have ever experienced that before? And so th- this becomes difficult. We say, well, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just trying to avoid a conflict. I just don't want to hurt their feelings. I think sometimes if we're not careful, this becomes our excuse to not tell the truth. This is our excuse to not put in the time to figure out the best way to tell it. I mean, look what Paul writes in Ephesians 4.15. Same chapter, just a few verses earlier. Look at what Paul writes. We will, read this with me, speak the truth in love. Look what it says. Growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, the church. But we will speak the truth in love. That's the key part. Speaking the truth in love. Now, this is a long one, but I want you to get this down because this will really help us. Get this down in your outline. We need to figure out how to say and when to say what needs to be said in a way that is least offensive and most sensitive. I'll read it again. We need to figure out how to say and when to say what needs to be said in a way that is least offensive and most sensitive. Now that you got it written down, let's read it again. Read it together with me. We need to figure out how to say and when to say what needs to be said in a way that is least offensive and most sensitive. How many of you know that there is a how and a when? How it needs to be said in a way that it will be heard. (laughs) And that takes time to figure that out. Now, I'm not saying weeks and months because... Sometimes that's way too long. But in the same way, we need to understand that it's going to take work and effort on our part to maintain the each other relationships that we're looking to maintain. They won't just happen naturally. It won't just happen automatically. It's going to take work. I mean, come on, let's just think about it in the relationships that you're involved in, whether it is a a dating relationship, a marriage relationship, a friendship relationship. Let's just think about a situation, maybe you've had it recently, I'm just thinking about between me and my wife, maybe a, a situation where you needed to tell that person something and you knew it was the truth and you know that you are right, but you know that this is a really hard topic to cover with them if you wanna have dinner at night provided for you and have a wife that loves you still and you know I'm, I'm talking about me okay I'm t- you I have to figure out how to communicate to my wife in a way that is least offensive and most sensitive see I know the things not to say I know the way not to present it. I'll go in on the the when as well. I know the times when I should not bring up that topic. 
Anybody else know what I'm talking about? There are certain times, you know, if my wife, like right now the heat, and if you had a, a hot topic that you needed to bring up with somebody in the heat, you better take them to an air-conditioned room, right? Just to lower the stress a little bit about it. I mean, there's just certain things, the whens, the how, you need to, you need to think it through. So often we, we, we take messages like this and we say, see, Bart said to tell the truth, to speak the truth all the time, so I'm just going to speak the truth. I think you should... And guess what? They're going to say, and I think you should not let the door hit you on the rear when you leave. Right? Because they're not going to accept it. I'm not talking about always telling the truth. I'm talking about Ephesians 4.15, speak the truth in love. And that takes effort. You have to figure out the how. You have to figure out the when. I don't think we spend enough time on the how and the whens. I think we, we think it's easier to lie or avoid the conflict, avoid the truth. It, it doesn't take much effort, doesn't take as much time to figure out a better way to present it, so we just avoid it. We don't talk to that coworker, we don't talk to that boss, we don't talk to our spouse, we don't, we don't talk to our employees, we just, we just avoid it. We just, we just move on. Oh, it's, it'll get better on its own. No, it won't. No, it won't. Listen, you may be the one person in that person's life that can communicate this in a way that they will receive. I said I wasn't going to share this, but I'm going to anyway, Brooke. Do you, you ever watch these shows like American Idol? And uh, It's nothing about her. She's like, what? You okay. ever watch these shows, American Idol or The Voice, or the, people that are singing? Anybody ever watch those shows? Okay. I don't know about you, but in the early stages, even in the later stages sometimes, but in the early stages when, when people are trying out, there, there are times in my household where I can't even be in the room. I get up and I walk out of the room to go get something to drink or whatever. I'm avoiding this person singing on the television because they're so bad. I'll just be honest with you. And what goes through my mind is, wasn't there one person in your life that told you you should do something else? That singing is not your gig. That they would be that honest with you. And then, on American Idol especially, these people, they get so offended that these professional judges would tell them, you're terrible. Go, go do something else. Don't quit your day job. Right? Right? They get so offended at that. It's like, because you didn't have anybody in your life that spoke truth. It's so easy to avoid the truth, isn't it? I mean, you, you have somebody in your life that is close to you that needs to hear truth from you, and you are avoiding it. It's time that you and I speak the truth in love to people around us. Don't forget that in love part. It's important. Figure out the how, the when. Figure out how to be least offensive and most sensitive. It's important. See, we don't take the time to figure these things out, so we just avoid it, lie about it, move on. See, problem is, if there is deception, there will be disconnect in any relationship. 
Do you hear me? If you're dating, if you're married, if you've got friends, should cover everybody. Let's just throw in coworkers, employees, bosses. So any kind of relationship that you have, if you've got people in a relationship with you, if there is deception, if you are avoiding the truth, not telling the truth, or you are lying about the truth, there will be disconnect that will lead to erosion. See, truth is required for trust in a relationship. You need to get that on your outline. Truth is required for trust. Say it with me. Truth is required for trust. Come on, one more. Truth is required for trust. It is. Truth is required for trust. You say, yeah, but it might hurt their feelings. Truth is required for trust. Yeah, but it might cause a conflict. Truth is required for trust. And we all know this to be true. I will trust you if I know you are not lying to me. And it's back at me the same way, right? It's true. Truth is required. All relationships depend on truth. And how many of you know that in any relationship, if you don't have trust, you have nothing? Let's take that into a church. If we can't trust each other in our church, we have nothing. Why are we here? We're wasting our time. So truth has to be a part of our relationship so that there will be trust. That's what Paul's telling us. I don't know about you, but I need to change in this. And I, I think most of us do. Because I have a tendency to not want to hurt somebody's feelings. I have a tendency to not want to face conflict. So I have a tendency, probably more so, to avoid the truth. Walk around it. Not have the hard conversation. I don't have time. They don't have time. They're busy. I'm busy. We'll just move on. And we never, ever, I've been using this phrase a lot, we never, ever deal with the elephant in the room. And you know what I'm talking about, right? It's the big, hard conversation that needs to be had, but we're never dealing with it. And I know, and chances are, they probably know too. But we never deal with it. And I need to change. And, I, and what I see in this that Paul writes in Ephesians 4.25 is it's a choice that I make. I want you to see something here. Paul is not saying, and this may sound you know, sacrilegious and non-biblical, and it's not. Paul is not saying that God's going to help you with this. He's just telling you. Look what he says. You must stop telling lies. I mean, that's what he's saying. He's, he's not sugarcoating it. He's not saying, pray, 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 because God will help you. We know that to be true, but he's not saying that here. He's saying, guess what? Make a choice. Make a choice. Paul says, make a choice. Stop telling lies. Tell each other the truth. Stop telling lies. Tell each other the truth. That's what he's telling us. That's what he's telling you. That's what he's telling me. So what do I need to do? I need to make a choice. I mean, I need to make a choice to tell the truth. It won't be easy. I won't be in control of it. I won't know how it's going to end up. That's all the hard part, right? 
But telling the truth to each other builds a relationship, and the deep connections that I really want are only going to come when there's truth that creates trust. Trust.